0: On today's podcast, your host T.C. and Chris Nicole discuss their ideology concerning a coach's role in athlete education. Hey, everybody. So we are back with another episode uh, again. Hmm another episode about athletes all about the athletes that's definitely where our heart and soul is uh we've been getting a lot of um people appreciating learning about us through the podcast so i feel like we're we're not ones to just kind of give our our personal life updates but um i think we should talk about some of the things that we've been doing as of late Uh, just like a quick life update and then we'll get right into the content so uh, we do have a couple of events on the horizon that we're organizing. When I say we, mostly TC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and we've had some different changes to our daily routine. So which one do you want to talk about first?
1: Um, I guess I'll talk about the events and then you yeah. can talk about your, the, the routine changes.
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: Um, so first up, we got uh, 100% Raw World, World Championships. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of exciting developments this year. We're going to have a big led backdrop. Um, Ray Williams, who is a seven time IPF super heavyweight world champion. He's going to be at the pro strict world on Saturday for a meet and greet. Um, as well as Lee Haney. that's eight time, Mr. Olympia, Lee Haney. He's going to be there. He's going to be our keynote speaker that night. Um, he's going to be there for the meet and greet as well. Um,
0: it's a four day event. So there's a lot of organizing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, this is my second year helping with this event. And um, we've, like I said, we've made some pretty monumental beneficial changes. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it comes together. Yeah. Um, there's gonna be growing pains with anything. Right. But I, I really think it's gonna be worth it. And I think that at least 98% of the lifters are going to believe it's worth it as well.
0: So Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the changes. I was there for a little bit last year, but I was also flying to Des Moines. I think that's where I mm-hmm. was. I don't even know. It's a Midwest somewhere.
1: Yeah, you flew into, I think, Kansas City and then drove to
0: Des Moines. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yes, yes. Um, so I was traveling during that yeah. uh, for a team show, coaching some athletes. And this year... <laughs> uh, simultaneously the same weekend is the uh NPC Ben Weider yeah. National uh championship. So I will be coaching there as well. So I'll be that's also in Virginia. So halfway through the world championship that TC will be running, I'll be up there coaching and then running back and we will be exhausted by the end <laughs> by the end of the weekend, but it'll be fun. Yeah. yeah so it'll be great. And then we have a couple other events. We'll be f- flying out to California. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so beginning in December, we have a Strict curl competition. Um, our state chair out there, John Wong, he's going to fly both of us out there to help. Um, it's to be seen yet if Sam's going to come down and help us out with
0: that. Sam! <laughs> Sam, we're plugging you right now. Yep.
1: Um, but yes, yeah, so we got that. And then the following month in January, uh, I actually met with the uh, Miami Inter- International Fitness Expo promoter mm-hmm. yesterday and... Um, he's going to be doing, uh, a, a, a much smaller event, um, in January that he invited us to. And I think what we're going to probably end up doing is just bring a strict curl platform out there and do like a strict curl exhibition in um, Miami. Yeah. yeah. Try to get them, try to get the word out. Um, you know, continue trying to try to boost the sport, might even bring a deadlift bar and do some hip thrusts. Um, yeah, so the reason being for those two exercises is because at the Mi- Miami International Fitness Expo, which will be June 1st, 2024, uh, 100% Raw will be there, and we're going to be having a strict curl competition, full power lifting competition, and um, two flights of hip thrust. So, this will be the first time that the hip thrust lift has been sanctioned within 100% Raw powerlifting, and um pretty excited about it.
0: So, yeah, it's yeah. going to be a lot of fun. I competed at that Miami show this year. It was mm-hmm. our first time there. Uh and it was a blast. I competed with Coach Paul and Nicole and Marina and then DC went around and made a bunch of friends <laughs> while I was competing. Um but we made a lot of good connections and that's kind of what helped open up this opportunity to be plugged in. I feel like more and more we're in Florida. Um but Florida has been very good to us. So,
1: yeah, no no going back now.
0: <laughs> Our calendar is filling up, uh, each, yeah. I feel like all the time, yeah. but
1: February, we've got NC state championships with the mm-hmm. raw we got battle of the border March. And then we've got American challenge kicking off in May and then right into June. And then we've got nationals, you know, with bodybuilding North Americans and stuff. And,
0: and there's holidays in there too.
1: And then Traveling. 2024 is o- over. <laughs>
0: already and now we are in 2025
1: so welcome <laughs> no, but, um,
0: but yeah. yeah it's been good so or just keep an eye out or ear out if there's things that or events that you are interested in definitely you know contact tc and or me probably tc
1: yeah definitely like if, if you're so 100 raw is a uh, tested powerlifting federation mm-hmm. but if you're interested in competing in the hip thrust just like shoot me a message um i'm really looking to Honestly, if I get enough hip thrust registrations, I'm probably going to take the full power out. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone... We're going to be right next to Powerlifting America. They're going to be doing squat bench deadlift. Great. You know, that that's perfectly fine. I'll do the strict curl, and I would love to have, like, four or five flights of hip thrust.
0: Yeah, that would be sweet.
1: Yeah, so tell your friends that, you know, like I said, like Chris said, you know, reach out to me, and, um, you know, we'll get you registered. It, it should be a really good time. Like, the, they are... Um, they had 50,000 square foot last year. They're increasing by 25,000 square feet. So they're going to be up to 75,000 square feet. Um, they usually have at least 5,000 people going through there. They have like five, man, I want to say he said 500 vendor tables, but that sounds like a lot for the space that I was, I'm thinking of, of last year, but it's a full expo. Like it's, it's a, it's a. Great event,
0: yeah. Adrian came and we, her mm-hmm. and I, walked around the and yeah, you walked around too. Mm-hmm. I still, bought you a bunch of cookies, yeah, yeah, <laughs> wall cookies. There was like uh, massage people there, which mm-hmm. we made connections with as well. Yeah. They've been great, relax so. and get results, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was fun. And Adrian, and I got free like shorts and tops from TLF, I think it is, uh, which is great quality. <laughs> Off we were both, they were like, What size are you? And we were both like ready to like hear what the price was, and they just handed us a bag with uh clothes. So that was fun. Remember that, Adrian? (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it's fun. We're Mm -hmm. like as coaches, um, it's great for us to be plugged into our fitness communities to learn from other professionals. Um, and you know, I think we keep harping on that, so I won't keep going, but um, and then another random thing that we've been doing lately, because this is our life update. Um, if you know me, I do not like waking up in the morning. <laughs> DC smiling at me. Um, I just am not a morning person. Uh, but he was encouraging me to get up, have this quick morning routine, and then head to the gym with him because that's what he would do in the morning. I've never trained fasted in my entire life, and I've been doing that this week, and it's actually been going really well. Uh, I definitely feel like I have focused workouts because I am not in the middle of starting my work day, getting it interrupted to go hit to the gym. But then I'm you know, like in the past, I'd still be thinking about what my athletes. I'd still be trying to communicate with them during my lifts. And this kind of like helped isolate me a little bit so that I could focus on my training. And yeah, we're giving it a shot. I feel like I'm sleeping better. Well,
1: and that's, that was the other, I think that was the initial reason why I suggested it, right? Because, like, you hate waking up early. I'm not just going to arbitrarily say, well, you should wake up early then. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a separate conversation about immersing yourself in, you know, things that make you anxious or stressed out. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that later. Um, but, you know, you also have had, like, cortisol um issues in the past Mm -hmm. where you didn't get that cortisol spike to help you wake up in the morning. So that's kind of what we were aiming for with that, with, you know, waking up and getting right to the gym because obviously working out will give you that cortisol spike and then you can kind of ride that for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to do walks in the morning outside in sunlight, um, which I think did help, Mm -hmm. but.
1: It was gradual, you know, like since we've been down here, you've been progressively doing more and more towards like building your morning routine.
0: And I think the accountability has really helped me Sure. Um, because going for a walk, I would just go whenever I felt like it. I would take like two hours to get ready to then go for a walk and like sit and read or whatever, like Mm -hmm. just wait for myself to wake up. And I feel like because I have someone to interact with, very, very little bit of interaction (laughs) because I don't like to talk in the morning either. But it's like I have a partner to practice this new habit with. And I think that has helped a lot. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's great.
0: Uh, we'll see. So There's...
1: we just want to encourage you guys to step outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and just try things exactly. And and even if it hasn't worked in the past, like you're a different athlete from one prep to another, from one training cycle to another. Yes. Like just remember that. So and and right now, Chris is in her um, building season. I mm-hmm. uh, almost said off season. There is no off season. Mm-hmm. So, Chris is in her growing season, so she has a a little more calories. So, her glycogen stores are going to be a little more full. So, like that training fasted thing, um, she's had blood sugar issues in the past, right? Correct. Yeah. We just wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to be an issue. Um, And and so far, it's worked pretty well.
0: Yeah. So it has been great. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm doing it, guys. (laughs) Uh, And all my people that wake up at like 4 a.m. and start sprinting on the treadmill, I'm saluting you. (laughs) (laughs) My early is 6 a.m., so I'm doing it. Yeah so good. Yeah. But okay, so I think um let's kind of like dive into what our topic is today about um why we feel it's important to educate athletes. Um I think we're very big on that being a component of people's prep and part of the conversation when we're, you know, working towards a specific goal. Um and to even educate anyone else, we have to be educated ourselves. So mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share about some of the ways that you continue to gain knowledge and, you know, evolve as a coach so that you can help your athletes?
1: Sure. Um, so obviously there are a ton of different avenues of self-education, right? I mean, you can go to school. That's not self-education really. That's you sure. know, being yeah. educated. Um, but I think in this industry, I think being educated is going to be, a little less useful than educating yourself. Um, and now let me explain that <laughs> because I'm not saying that school is useless. And I'm not saying that teachers can't teach you anything. Um, but what I am saying is um, I think very little research goes into the athlete population. Correct. Yeah. So a lot of like commonly accepted quote unquote rules don't necessarily apply to certain athlete populations. Sure. Um,
0: They're a majority obese population.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obese, untrained individuals. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I think right out the gate, that's very important to remember. Whether you're being educated or whether you're reading papers, whether you're reading studies, whether you're, um, you know, talking with other people, like, I think that's very important to remember that we are not the, the rule we're the exception. Mm-hmm. And um, you can extrapolate some pieces of information from these studies, but uh It's just important to keep in mind that that we live life differently. So to that end, um, I think it's important to learn from other people in the industry. I would agree. That have found a lane that they're really good at Mm -hmm. and they have just completely explored that rabbit hole. Yes. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point. Mm -hmm.
1: And then they put the spark notes up at the top of the hole (laughs) and you you learn from them and you let them have their lane. Yes. and that's one thing that I feel like some people have a problem doing and I don't know if it's insecurity. I don't know if it's arrogance and ego. I'm I'm not necessarily sure. I'm sure it varies from person to person, but Chris and I are very comfortable in talking about what we know and what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know something, we definitely want to go figure it out for you and find yeah. it out. So um, we're not afraid to say, I don't know. We're mm-hmm. not just going to give you some BS answer. Yeah. Um... And we're also not going to act like experts in every single field. So, like recently, I've been doing a ton of research on mobility and range of motion and sculpting a physique using mobility work. Um, I will never call myself a mobility guru. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm I'm a power builder, and that's even taking two different things there. You know, that's the most that I'll ever take. Yeah, Um, but I love powerlifting and I love bodybuilding. And I believe that mobility is integral for both sports, uh, for the longevity of an athlete in both sports. So I find different, let's just say, Instagram accounts mm-hmm. of people who have made their living doing either rehab, so like physical therapists, um, rehab on athletic populations. So like I love the prehab guys. I love uh, Dr. Joe. I forgot his last name. He's this Asian guy. He's really good too. Um, obviously, everyone knows Squat University. um, those are all physical therapists that have devoted their like research and focus to the athletic population. Um, and then aside from that, there's this page beard, all you can be. Um, he sells, you know, monthly mobility routines and it's basically like a training program. I think 60 bucks a month and it's literally for mobility and that's all he does. That's all this guy does. Um, he looks athletic. Mm -hmm. So, I trust him. He doesn't just look like, you know, a, a yoga string bean. Mm-hmm. And so he still does resistance training. And that's the thing is like, you have to know who these professionals are that you're getting this information from. And sure. you, you have to be able to validate what they're saying. And even if from their personal experience, because that's where most of my education has come is my own personal experience. And like kind of trying to explore my own body. Um, and obviously my athletes, you mm-hmm. know, especially when I was training in person, it was, very eye-opening to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then if someone couldn't do it, you have to sit there and figure out what manipulations have to be made in order to, to help them get to where they need to get to. Right. So, yeah. So those are some some avenues. Um, You're reading, it's right behind you, the Glute Lab book by Brett Contreras. Um, yeah. It's basically a big textbook all about glute training.
0: I read it over and over again. Mm-hmm.
1: And <laughs> but for... it's very
0: interesting and I do like... um because I agree with his, a lot of his philosophy and like oh, how he approaches. Well, um, and he has results. Glute training. Well, that's another big plus. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> if he didn't have like hundreds of girls that he's helped grow their glutes to mm-hmm. massive proportions, then this book would be a lot less valuable. But he's yeah. a PhD who's devoted his life to glute training. So guess what? That's who we're going to look to when he's we're gonna thinking know. about glute training. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, um, I'm also reading a book on um cortisol mm-hmm. and stress, which I feel like everyone and their mother is dealing with myself included so that's been very eye opening to kind of just have a different perspective and it does include a lot of studies that i can go about i can go and refer to um so it has like a, a scientific um i don't know
1: what's that called who, who wrote it um uh, lucy. I believe it's the yes, yeah, the cortisol connection.
0: Yeah, it's called the cortisol connection. Sean Talbot.
1: Sure, just for anyone who's interested, we can always put that in the show notes too. Oh. Yeah.
0: Um and I found out about this book because I was listening to other professionals mm-hmm. in the sport. Um, so podcasts are another way to kind of educate yourself and learn. Exactly. Yeah. And I kept hearing people refer to this book and I'm like, well, I have, you know, we talked about some beginning of the podcast, some issues with cortisol. I should probably do my own because also doing your own research helps you communicate with your athlete team. You, I know better questions to go ask my physician because I'm educating myself on what's going on with my body, what my symptoms are, what my lab results are reading, and I can ask more specific things. Um, And I I found that they actually very much appreciate that because they're doing less of the, like, basic education and people who like their job and they like what they do, they like to talk about it and they like to expand on their, like, share their knowledge with somebody who's interested in hearing it. So, um, yeah, those mostly for me... um, literature has been helpful also it's just an activity that i can do that's quiet and relaxing and um and then also you know occasionally we'll pop in a podcast especially if we're going on like a long drive that's Mm -hmm. very helpful i have my athletes share with me stuff that they're learning on occasion especially if they want my opinion on it or they want to experiment with something that they've heard i'm completely open to that i am not a like
1: well, we encourage it because, like, more heads researching the same topic gets you more results.
0: And I don't, and if I'm completely, like, I have no knowledge on the topic, then it's something that we, like, discover together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fun. I feel like learning as you go, like, especially if you enjoy your profession, is, is something cool. And then for, like, posing, I'd say that's where I get most of my, uh, ex, like... I'm able to watch athletes pose um, and look at videos on Instagram and I'll s- study them. Uh, there's been times where I've gotten a video and slowed it down and watched like hip movement with foot cadence and try to figure out how they were looking so smooth and then applying that to my own uh, practice. Just Even if it's a transition, that's not good for me. It may be good for my client. Mm -hmm. So learning how to do all of it, learning how to do, you know, lot spreads for figure and learning how to do men's physique posing. And I try to do men's classic, but uh, that's a whole other animal and uh, not something I'll probably be very well versed in. But that's what I mean is like you can have a good understanding of the basics, but there's always so much more you can learn. So... Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Oh, and certifications. That's another way to continue education. Sure.
1: Yeah, which um, depending on which personal trainer certification your coach has, um, they are supposed to be doing continued education every two years anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so like NASM, you have to get recertified every two years. Uh, you went through NCCPT.
0: So I had a NASM certification. I got the book. I studied it. And then um, someone asked me, all right, so here's your, like, how would you train this particular person? And I didn't know how to answer that because I'm, I'll i learn the content. I'll do great on tests, but the applicable part was where I struggled because I, I didn't exercise that mm-hmm. muscle of like, okay, there's, here's the scenario. How would I help them? Uh, so then I enrolled in NPTI That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forget the letters. <laughs> and I spent six months, I saved up all my money, spent six months going through their education uh, program where they talked about nutrition. They talked about um, program design and they had a component on anatomy, which I thought was extremely helpful. If you are training someone, you should know your anatomy. You should know where the muscle insertion and origin is, what like, functions it has the opposing muscle group that totally like opened up my mind to designing programming that made way more sense and then the school also had a practical part where half of it was in the classroom and then half of it you went to the gym and you had to cue the exercise you had to perform it and cue it and um and practice it so that helped a lot too uh, so that's where all that's where my training has come from sure
1: yeah so that's a lifelong certification
0: correct um so you
1: yeah. don't need you don't need to do continuing education once you go through that course um but obviously we still do mm-hmm. um so yeah certifications that's a great way uh most of them are gonna give you like very basic information just like you said it's it's not necessarily gonna give you a ton of like critical thinking and application right uh, yeah. aspects but um if you're a fitness professional, you should be immersed in the culture anyway, and you should be taking what you're learning and trying to apply it to your own training first before you just arbitrarily try to apply these training theories to your athletes. That's a good point. Especially yeah. if you're an online coach. Yes. And you just, oh, well, it should be working. It should. you sh- All you need to do is this. And look, like theory is completely different than reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you a starting point and that's pretty much it. Right. Especially right. when you're dealing with people because everybody is different. Yeah. So that's definitely really important to, to keep in mind.
0: And I think that goes into our next point of like um, allowing athletes to have a voice when they're communicating with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that should be, there's other coaches that allow that as well. They're just not like, well, this is what I said, so this is what you're going to do. Or follow the program. Uh, I like people being able to ask questions. Every single check-in, for the most part, people are asking me at least one question. Um, And I enjoy that because they're interested in knowing why they're doing something. So that's a better buy-in. If you know, for me especially, if I know why I'm doing something, I'm more likely to implement it. Um, And then also, I think it just helps take ownership Mm -hmm. as well um, because you're being involved in what's going on with your prep. You're not feeling like here's the protocol, do it or don't. If I don't, I'm failing. It's more of like, let's find a way to make prep successful Mm -hmm. and in alignment with your current life. Um, And you also communicate with the clients and help with education and letting them ask questions. And um, did you want to expand on uh, that, that type of communication?
1: Sure, so uh, so as an athlete, you have a certain responsibility towards personal growth and education. Um, obviously, as your coaches, we are there to lead your exploration of your own body and your own fitness journey. Um, but I definitely believe that there is an aspect to successful athletes. That they're always curious about the why behind Mm what they're doing. It's very easy to just be a robot and go through the programming. And then if it doesn't work, you just, well, that coach sucks. Well, if you didn't give them any feedback, then they didn't have anything to go off of. And all they're going off of is like general expertise from other athletes. Right. So if you're not checking in with your coach, If you're not asking questions, if you're not giving feedback on your training program, your nutrition program, your stress level throughout the week, your weekly schedule, if you're not communicating with your coach, you're not doing your job as an athlete. And now if your coach isn't asking these questions, then we could say that they're not doing their job either, right? It's a two-way street. Um, But I've just found that the most successful athletes are very invested in their prep and in their own growth as a... Um, intelligent athlete Mm -hmm. right not just a physical athlete um so yeah but so what i do is i ask for a ton of different like assessment videos and i we try to pinpoint various weaknesses uh, and weak points and and movement compensations so that we can bring their attention to it for their training which again keeps the athlete thinking and focused on their own body as um like uh, in in a unique anatomical figure. Sure. Right. So because now we know that we have this little issue and we can't just do square lat Mm pulldowns. We have to change our torso positioning to make sure that we're accounting for this shoulder girdle shift. And, you know, now we have a lat weakness on one side and we have to, you know, target that and to build it back up. And then we can go back towards you know, the, the bilateral focus. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it can be hard, mm-hmm. right? It can be very difficult and it can also be, um, I don't want to say like demoralizing. That's not the I don't think the word I'm, but do de, you de, demotivating sure. when you feel like you're constantly having to fix these issues and you're never doing anything right. Um, but I think what's important to remember is that's not the case. Just because it can be done better doesn't mean you're not doing it right. doesn't mean you're not doing it correctly. It just means maybe we can make this exercise a little more efficient for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my job as a coach, right? To to look at these videos that the athletes submit and to see where there's an opportunity for improvement in the movement pattern. Um,
0: it is challenging. That is something as an athlete of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to practice, and there's been plenty of times where it has been frustrating. Um, I think becoming more aware of body imbalances, especially for me with my scoliosis, has been very like that's sometimes gets in my head, like, oh, wow, I am really like all kinds of crooked. Um, but I've also, on the other end, have had really great realizations that, okay, well, my whole left side is really my back and my obliques and my glute. That that side is really not, that's not activating. That's why I've been having this problem and this problem and this problem. So it's like, also you uncover mm-hmm. solutions and it takes work to really make those things. Um, correct. It takes work to get them corrected.
1: Yeah. I also think that there's a benefit to ha- to maintaining that mentality of... So I tweaked my back last week. Mm-hmm. When it first happened, I was uh, unhappy. <laughs> um, this, this was... It felt the same as it did the last two times I've tweaked my back. And I was sure that I was... About I was in for weeks of issues and
0: problems. Yeah, you said you felt like you might have to be starting all over. I was back to square one. That's how
1: I felt. And then when I shifted my mentality to, okay, God did this for a reason, Mm -hmm. um, obviously I'm still doing things incorrectly if I hurt myself again. And this was God's attempt to refocus my efforts on what's important. So over the weekend, I did... um, the rehab style unilateral glute bridges. I did uh, a lot of spinal segmentalization with my core and abdominal work. Um, And I just really doubled down on my hip mobility work. And I feel fine today. I feel Mm -hmm. great. And I also feel like my abs are more activated than they have been even before this last issue. So now I feel like, again, this injury was purposeful and it has kind of boosted my progress faster, more towards where I was wanting to go.
0: I also think like, um, going through experiences yourself as an athlete helps in relate, like we've said, relatability for Mm -hmm. an athlete, but also helps educate it, educate them, uh, a little bit differently than if I'm reading a textbook about a back injury. And now here is a protocol to follow. It's more like, I know what this feels like. Yeah. Um, this is what's, you know, and then you can give them specific things that they're like, yes, you know exactly what I'm experiencing. Like there is that component that I think uh, and connection that helps with um, just being able to relay information mm-hmm. to someone. So yeah. I mean that's a positive way to kind of look at a bad situation. Well you have
1: to. You have to look at it positively, right? Because any situation is just that. It's just a situation. And if you start looking at it as a negative situation, then your own mentality has already beat you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas like I said, this injury, all that it's doing is pointing out an issue in my own kinesiology. And If I want to achieve the powerlifting goals that I've set forth for myself, I know that I have to be perfect. And if I'm not perfect yet, I'm going to keep hurting myself. Mm -hmm. So I would much rather slightly tweak my back with 450 pounds on my back than wait until I'm going for an 800-pound PR and completely destroy a disc. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is a hard mentality to adopt. It is when you're injured and you just want to go in there, ball to the wall and just beat the crap out of yourself Mm -hmm. training. It's hard. Um, But a lot of the times it's it's very worth it. If you hurt yourself, you have a weak link in your kinetic chain Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed. And that's all that injury is telling you. We had we had an athlete uh, a few weeks ago, hurt her back. Um, She was an eccentric on her last rep of deadlifts. Mm -hmm. And because I've been through it. I said, I imagine where you're feeling pain is right here. And she emailed me back. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I said, don't worry. It's just a muscle strain. This is what we're going to do to fix it. And you're going to come out stronger than you were before. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, man, she's been emailing us. Oh my gosh. Like my training has been going so great. I feel great. Yeah. I still feel like a little band around that, you know, that area of my torso, but all this core work and the lumbar love days and like, it's, it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. And my training has felt great recently.
0: So let's talk about the training because I feel like there that's one thing that I really enjoy that you do is you have specific focal points for the workout. Mm-hmm. There's like, I open up the app and there's a description of why this workout was created and what its purpose is. And then with each individual exercise, you've done a good job of not just explaining the cues, but... Where you should be feeling things, what your body position, you know, like there's just a lot of detail. And so, um, yeah, why don't you kind of talk on how your training is set up to help educate athletes in the gym?
1: Sure. So um, kind of what we talked about last podcast was uh, training intensity versus intentionality. Mm -hmm. And what I aim to do with my programming is to show the athletes the amount of thought that should be going into their training. We're not just going into the gym and going through the motions. We are we're training. We're not just working out. So the difference between working out and training is working out is for general fitness, it's for the average individual. They go to the gym to get movement in because now we in the 21st century we have these sedentary lifestyles and and we need to go to the gym to get any kind of physical activity. Sure. Training is focused consistent work towards a specific goal and if you're an athlete if you're a bodybuilder if you're a powerlifter if you're a crossfitter it doesn't matter you're training because you're aiming to do better at your next competition so every time you go into the gym your focal point should be on what do i need to do to get better for my next competition what are my weak links that i need to work on and focus on what are the positioning cues that I need to reestablish? And bringing that kind of intentionality to the workout, yeah, it's tough. But you know what? That's why not everyone is successful in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, working out is easy. Everyone, okay, not everyone. If you go to the gym, you like to work out, right? Like that's just, that's the easy part of being an athlete. Mm-hmm. Training and being intentional with your movements and your energy expenditure, that is the hard part. Um, So, yeah, so the cues that I put in there, um, I understand that sometimes they can be a little overwhelming because if you go from thinking about nothing in your training to trying (laughs) to think about literally every part of your kinetic chain, it's difficult. Yes. It's hard. Uh Uh-huh. But what I've realized is if you don't start from the ground up, let's just say you're doing chest flies and you don't initiate your posture with your feet rooting into the ground and then your legs corkscrewing into your feet so that you activate your glutes and then your glutes staying activated so that you can pull your erectors away from your pelvis without your pelvis positioning changing and then activate your core. So now your spine is completely rigid. It's you're probably going to be using more rotator cuff than yeah. pec muscle. Mm-hmm. And you might, what I've noticed is I shift to one side and I might get my left pec, but because my right, the right side of my back is a little more locked up, you know, I'm going to be hitting my shoulder and my rotator cuff instead mm-hmm. of my pec. Okay. So yes, it's tedious to think about your entire body when you're doing these things, but you're, kinetic chain was designed to work a specific way Mm -hmm. and it works interdependently with different parts of your body and what i've been realizing is so i've i've been dealing with some elbow pain my elbow pain is coming because my right shoulder is shifted forward slightly and that puts it in a different position so that when i'm doing pressing motions or even bicep curls i'm putting more strain on my on that uh this little muscle in here, the <laughs> tennis elbow, um, it's putting more strain on that than there should be. And when I reposition that shoulder, the pain is gone immediately, immediately. And it's just crazy because you wouldn't think your scapula position would have anything to do with elbow pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I started realizing that my forearm activation was a little different. So I started messing around with forearm mobilization and like rotation, like wrist um, range of motion and, and, uh, and mobility. And realizing that I have a, a lot more wrist mobility issues now on my right side as well. So, again, your body is an interdependent unit. And if you don't take everything into account, look, you don't have to start right away with thinking of your entire body. Pick a cue, master it, and move on. Um, the issue with that is like, you know, if you're doing uh, reverse pec-tech flies and you're arching the shit out of your low back, it's going to be a lot harder to then change that. Um, bracing positional pattern in the future once you've established it. So that's why I try to give everyone all the cues immediately. And then whatever you pick up on, great. We'll work on the rest later.
0: We also give accessory exercises um, outside of those, I'm going to say like glamour lifts uh, that are just like straight hypertrophy centered. Like there are other exercises in there to help establish. I mean, I just had... Mm. Uh, athlete uh, messaged me today that unilateral uh, the style of unilateral hip thrusts that you had prescribed helped her make a better connection between her pelvis and her core. And her hip thrusts were so much better after that. And she's got sore glutes walking on the treadmill. (laughs) Uh, So, but I also, similarly, um, I think people get locked into this exercise isn't good for me Mm -hmm. because like I can use me as an example, hip thrusts. I feel too much of my hamstrings. So I'm just building giant hamstrings. I feel some glute, but there's probably a glute exercise that's better at isolating my glutes when it, in fact, I actually have, you know, problems with engaging my core and learning different things through other exercises that were prescribed um, helped me be able to isolate my, and now hip thrust is like a killer workout for my mm. glutes. Um, but I had to be willing to be educated on some of those things and read the description and, ta- and it takes a lot of work. Not, not everyone has, and I don't think that, that maybe it is for everybody. Yeah, it's, you don't have to. It's a lot of like being uh, intentionality, mm-hmm. like we always say. Um, and you can get results from just doing like 100%, you know, uh, exercises you can get from like a a muscle and fitness magazine and something like you can you can there's different ways to do things Um, but like where this topic of this podcast is about educating clients and why that's important because I I do like that people can walk away um, if they ever like you know we we did have an athlete um, who learned a ton she you know didn't have the finances to continue. And, but she was ignited with this um, excitement to explore fitness in a different way. And she stayed in contact with us. And
1: she still, she listens to our podcast, posts. She's advancing.
0: And and we love that. Mm -hmm. That to to us, that's a win because the other thing about educating athletes is they don't become dependent on their coach. Um, I think there is a time where. You do need to just listen to what your coach is telling you because you're in a deep deficit and they're the, the guiding light when you're feeling just like crap. Um, but I do think that like there are seasons where, you know, there is that communication to, to continue to, like you said, help guide them in exploration and, um, and I, like I never want people to feel like they don't know how to operate without me. Um, I want them to help, help. I want them to be able to understand. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what we tell people. Like, especially when I was training people in person, I said my goal is to make it so that you don't have to have me as your trainer for the rest of your life. And yeah, hey, if you want to stay and and have me train you, and great. That's I not a lucrative
0: move, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's not lucrative, but um, it's I think the most beneficial to the individual.
1: Yeah. My goal is to educate you guys so that you learn the reasoning behind these things. So like what Chris was talking about earlier with the exercise selection is there's always going to be a reason for every exercise that's in your program for me. And it's not always just going to be hypertrophy. I know you need bigger glutes, but doing body weight unilateral glute bridges is probably not going to be your hypertrophy exercise for the day. Mm -hmm. But having those in after some core work is going to put your body in a very, very good position to, friggin maximize on that 100 rep challenge for the hip thrust oh my gosh (laughs) so yeah it's it's everything is very intentional and i want to teach you about that intentionality which is why i put so much effort into like writing the descriptions for the day and and writing uh the cueing for the exercises um the purpose of the exercise because like i said like i'm gonna put in those like if I have rehab style unilateral glute bridges, I'm going to say this is not to grow your glutes. Mm-hmm. This is to teach you how to control your body positioning, which on in the bodybuilding stage, that's integral, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's so important to be able to control every single aspect of your body. So even if you don't have great control um, or mind muscle connection with certain parts of your body right now, build it. Just work on it. That's all it takes. It's just like saying, well, I can't deadlift 500 pounds. Well, of course you can't because you haven't worked up to it. So take your time, learn your body and figure out what you need to do in order to position it so that it looks the way you want it to look on stage, Mm -hmm. Um, which also goes towards if we go back to training, um, you're sculpting your physique and you can grow muscle with cookie cutter programs and no intentionality. You can get bigger, yeah, sure. of course. But if you want to grow the exact proportions that you want to grow and you want to sculpt your body to look exactly the way you want it to look on stage, this intentionality is just integral. It's crucial. Sure. And that's pretty much all my training has been this year is is positional intentionality. Um, but I feel like I look like I've gotten so much bigger. And I haven't. I'm down to like 190 pounds, which I've been down at this weight, this lean before um but my body definitely looks different
0: wait segue let's talk about we got to the gym this morning and as soon as tc got out of the car someone came up to him from the gym what did he say
1: we're still getting our bags out of the car he said yo man he said i gotta ask what is it yeah
0: nutrition genetics what are you doing (laughs) And just, I hid behind the other side of the car because yeah, I didn't want to talk.
1: Yes, if I was on anything. Yes. Yep. He asked what
0: you were on.
1: Because what I said was just 20 years, man. 20 years. And he
0: said, <laughs> I've been working it. out since I've been 16 and I don't look like you. Yeah. And yeah, I just listened. But I thought it was really funny. TC does get asked what. I'm
1: sure he went home telling himself I was on drugs. but Well, most people do. Yeah,
0: that's okay. Most people think that you're on drugs.
1: Um, but that's the thing is like uh, a lot of people don't understand how hard I've worked to build the physique that I have uh, and to build the strength that I have. It's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I've always been someone who pushes to the absolute limit in anything that I do. Like I mean, sometimes too
0: far. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I
1: had a L5 stress fracture in mm-hmm. seventh grade. OK, because I was a three sport athlete and I. I did not do it slowly. Okay. No, I don't do anything slowly. Yes. I do everything full tilt. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. So.
0: Sorry about that. I totally interrupted your train of thought, but okay. uh, it was really funny to me this morning.
1: I mean, that, that goes to the intentionality of training. This guy has been working out since he was 16 years old, but because he's just going in and going through the motions, he doesn't have the body he wants. And now I saw his arms. His arms were good size. They were probably his biceps and triceps were honestly probably bigger than mine. Yeah. But his proportions, just he just didn't have the body. Like, you look at a magazine figure and you think, "Oh, I just need to go work out." But that's sure. not necessarily what it is. If someone's in a magazine, it's because they've spent the time sculpting that physique. Right. Um. And I think that a lot of people don't give enough credit to sculpting. Sure.
0: And okay, so here's another thing: is talking about feedback, like judge feedback, and how we like to have the athlete as part of the conversation. Um, there's whether I get the judge feedback for them or they convey the judge feedback, the client conveys it to me. We have a discussion about it. Uh, we have like an athlete playbook. Um, I have their pictures. I have every piece of judge feedback, all all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, I take some time after show, look at their physique Look at what needs to be improved for where the next show is that's coming up. You and I have a conversation because I'll talk about here's what the judge said. Here's what we need to improve upon. We talk about how we can implement training strategies, um, but then we include the client. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll send them a video reviewing their show, what stuff went well, what stuff we can improve upon, and what we're strategizing to move them forward. Because they need to know what the roadmap is kind of looking like because that the responsibility of intentionality is on them uh, so yeah, that's okay.
1: yeah, so um I, the other thing that I think is important uh, is helping the athlete to understand uh, what certain pieces of judge feedback mean. Yeah, Uh, And what it means for them, right? So like if someone says fuller glutes or more glute depth, that may mean the same thing. It may mean something completely different. Um, And then, so we take what the judge feedback was and have that conversation with the athlete. And see, now we see what the athlete wants to do with that information. So I had a judge tell me, you're a bodybuilder. He, mm-hmm. he called me Mister Bodybuilder the entire time I was with him. Um, that was great. I fully expected that feedback. Okay. Um, I took that because, like I said, I fully expected it because I know that my waist is, my hips are wider than all four people that were above me in the last show that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just saying, "Okay, well, I'll compete in bodybuilding next," because that's where he said I'm going to do well. I said, okay, what do I have to do to change that perspective of me as an athlete? Um, which may or may not be certain people's, you know, approach. Then that's fine. You know, we've had athletes before where you've had athletes who have done bikini, wellness, figure, like trying to just figure out where they fit and then that one show Jamie did where she got third in every single in all three categories is like, well, what, that wasn't Jamie? helpful. <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: I felt so bad for that was a feat mm-hmm. to try and do three categories in one show. Mm-hmm. I give her so much yeah. credit for and that.
1: And she got third in all in all of them, <laughs> yeah. which is great, but it's also like, okay, well, I still don't know where I fit best. Right, yeah. So, at the end of the day, like you really have to make that choice as an athlete, but that's where the athlete education comes in is is there has to be a give and take between the coach and the athlete mm-hmm. and we both have to be on the same page. We have to know what the athlete wants and the athlete has to know what they need to do to get there. Right. So I think that's where like the education aspect comes in with the judge's feedback is really like educating them on what the judge meant um, about how they saw your physique in comparison with the other physiques that were up on stage next to you. Right. And what they should be doing with that information.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's always good to just talk about where you're going next. The athlete should know where they're going next. Yeah. Um, what the, What is the goal right now? And sometimes, so like that's a kind of, that kind of goes into like an improvement season because a show goal is pretty cut and dry. You know, you want to be conditioned. You want to have nice full muscle mm-hmm. bellies and you want to place well. Mm-hmm. Um, where in improvement season, it can be a little bit, frustrating for people because they don't know what what am i chasing right now yeah i want to grow muscle but i think it's really helpful to establish other focal points and have that communication so if there's you know hip mobility issues let's use the time now to because that's going to help your posing that's going to help your muscle growth like Mm -hmm. let's focus on making sure that that happens that's hard that's a hard thing to do when you're spending a lot of time doing cardio, dieting for a show, you're just trying to make it to the stage. Um, still do it, but you can put more of an emphasis, f- emphasis on it in an improvement season. Uh, and that's one thing that I like to communicate with clients about and, and educate them on what, what should we be looking at in the improvement season. Yes. Hands down for everybody, it's we want food variety. I want you to be eating what like lots of different foods. We need to make sure nutrition is giving you lots of variety of those micro uh, nutrients. I want you to have a social life, like that's part of your improvement season. Go have fun, like spend time with family, spend time with friends. Go be social and have the because the healthy relationships around you are part of being a healthy athlete. So invest in them. Um, and then talking about how to approach food as well, too, uh, in an improvement season, like having some flexibility. I have clients that they will have a certain amount of macros five days a week, and then they get an influx two days, two back-to-back days they're going to get an influx. And we set that up around their lifestyle or their schedule, where it makes them feel like a reward. It's a reward system. And it still helps them with their goals. Some people just need flex calories. They do really well knowing that they have an extra 300, 500, whatever it is in particular to them that they can use any day. Um, You know, I'm feeling extra hungry today. I had a long travel day. Um, And they can kind of use them at at their own disposal. Um, And then other improvement season things are just making sure our goals are Good sleep, you are get, you are have, having healthy digestion. We're having a doctor look at your lab work. We're making sure that we're optimizing the season where your body is relaxed and happy, cortisol is managed, and we're setting you up for, you know, the next season where it, you're getting into a grind. If we're micromanaging every single thing in your improvement season, that's adding stress. That's just going to compound and go into your dieting phase. Um, that's why I think some mistakes are made with athletes who try and be too perfect um, in their improvement seasons. They want, they want so bad to be better that they, and I'm talking about myself, mm-hmm. they hyper-focus on all the little details that just makes them stress 365 days a year because they're analyzing everything. Uh, and then they're getting into a dieting phase already. Like coming from a place of feeling a little bit stressed out, so
1: I think that's a really that's another good opportunity for education as well. Because if we can explain to these athletes what that stress is doing to themselves, like basically you're second guessing your own body and its ability to get to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I've already talked about the the steroid mentality mm-hmm. uh, study that they did, where oh yeah, your brain really controls how your body reacts to certain stimulus. Yeah. Um, and if you don't believe that you're doing the right thing, you're not going to make as much progress as someone who does believe that they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that you can just believe you're doing the right thing eating a Big Mac on the couch. Like that. that's <laughs> yeah. not what I'm saying here. Yeah. Um, But you're eating more food than you're used to eating. Mm-hmm. And that can make someone nervous. You know, when you start putting on a little more weight than you're used to, especially when we come from, We had a fat year together and we don't want to go back there. And um, we just want to make sure that we're being intentional with these things. Um, But coaching mentality is probably one of the hardest aspects of coaching. Mm -hmm. So, and like you were talking about with the um, off season and like directing the focus, um, our job is to help educate these clients on creating uh, longevity in their athletic career, Mm -hmm. right? So we want to make sure that they're able to, continually progress the goal is progress not perfection right and as long as you're continually making progress that's all you can ask for Um, and maintaining that focus I think is very important so yeah alleviating stress and anxiety surrounding your prep I think especially for I'm going to say especially for women I think that they're just more prone to stressing and being anxious about certain things and worrying about certain things not to say that there aren't guys out there that have the same thing.
0: I was going to say, I know some. Yeah.
1: But like I went through prep. Eh, yeah. I'm just, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing the right thing.
0: <laughs> You're We're going to get there. Your uh, lack of stress stressed me up.
1: Yes. <laughs> You're not worried about <laughs> Perpetually, this? Perpetually. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but you know, uh, it worked very well. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. So like the point was setting clear goals um, and making sure that we're also talking about why those are important things to focus on so i guess that goes in line with the education part definitely
1: yeah yeah. because and and we're bringing the attention to these things so it's just like a movement imbalance in your training we're going to bring your attention and educate you on why this is an issue and what we need to do to fix it right i'm not just gonna ask you for a squat video and then say okay i want you to do this exercise and this exercise And not give you any other information. That's crazy. Because then you're going to be like, okay, well, why am I I doing Smith machine squats when you're watching a barbell back squat? Mm -hmm. Why am I doing Smith machine front squats? That doesn't make sense. Whereas if I explain it to you, like, okay, so what I saw was a little bit of torso collapsing. I want to make sure that we hit your abdominals to make sure that you can maintain a little bit more of an upright position. I want to hit your quads. Make sure your quads and your hip flexors are nice and strong so that we can, again, maintain that upright position. Uh, Because you're a bikini competitor and now your glutes are overpowering the rest of your musculature, I want to make sure that we, you know, bring back that well-rounded kinesthetic unit or Mm -hmm. kinetic. I don't know. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. No. Okay kinesiology i'm saying like oh, movement okay so here i don't inter- use that word <laughs> interdependent <laughs> I unit. Say aesthetic.
0: yeah um but yeah hopefully they yeah yes so good point um what other things i think that i get a lot of questions people ask me about can i eat this can i have bread can i have dairy when do i remove whatever uh from my diet and that's another thing that i think is important to kind of talk to people about like i don't like using meal plans i really don't like using meal plans um because i feel like it fosters a um dependence on something that like you you're just doing it mm-hmm. you're you don't know why you're doing exactly. it exactly yeah And so if flexibility, right prisoner and are you going to eat that meal plan for the rest of your life?
1: What if you have to travel? What if something comes up? What if, what if, what if,
0: yes. So understanding carbs, fats, protein, some people have a like, they don't like it. They're Mm -hmm. like, well, I just want a meal plan. And sometimes we can start there if they're really struggling and we can talk about creating how many meals you have in a day how to pair certain uh, macro ingredients together so that you're sustaining good, you know, blood sugar. Uh, But I don't, I like to move away from that as much as possible. say track five days a week during your work schedule, just to keep your life or or use the meal plan if you want for five days because you're crazy busy on the weekend. Do not use that meal plan. Like try utilizing the app, try tracking the macros, start looking at what you're wanting to eat and what that food is made up of, so that we can we can imp we can include foods that you enjoy because I think the more that people are not eliminating foods arbitrarily and they're just eating the things that they like to eat and keeping them in their prep for longer, like, I mean, man, I don't know, I was
1: there's less stress and anxiety. there's you're gonna stress out less about it because you're not saying, man, I really just want this.
0: So have it. And like the repercussions post-show can just be so detrimental. If you've eliminated something for an extended amount of time, reintroducing it can cause digestive issues, which compounds like issues with your mood because you're, you know, there's so much serotonin and stuff's made in your gut. It just can create so many other problems. Um, And like that also, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? you're eliminating something for too long and then you just dive headfirst into having it again. Like I have people that, you know, I just, I eat my clean foods, my veggies, my chicken. And I'm like, please don't eat just chicken, veggies and rice. Rice. Yeah. Like, please pick other foods. You want a bagel? Go have a bagel. Let's talk about how it fits in your, Mm -hmm. your meal plan. Um, When is a good time to have it? Like, let's, let's um look at, I don't know, just how to make a sustainable lifestyle out of nutrition and not be so locked into these hard and fast, like, this is what I should be doing, this is what I shouldn't be doing. Um, and I feel like with more flexibility, my preps have been much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've gotten great results. And so um, just extending that flexibility in nutrition Um, Is a lot of conversation and a lot of education, but it's important for people for sustainability.
1: Well, I also think that like you almost end up eating on a meal plan during the week anyway.
0: Yeah, you find foods that you like. Yeah,
1: and because you're busy during the week, you say, this is what I have for breakfast. And then your morning routine, you don't have to think about it. You just get up and make that breakfast, and that's what you have. Same thing for lunch and dinner. And then if you want to fill the rest of your calories in with something else, you can if you're tracking. Whereas if you have that meal plan, There's nothing you can do. This is what you have to have every Mm -hmm. single day. And if we want to give you a refeed, it's so much harder for us. Like we have to like literally iterate what you're going to have in that meal. And then first of all, who knows like how you cook it or if you go out and get a burger and a steak or a steak instead of making a steak at home. Like there's just so many variables. Um, We'd much rather just give you a certain amount of calories to work within and give you that freedom and flexibility to uh, decide on your own what you want.
0: Which autonomy I think is important for athletes mm-hmm, 100%. too. 100%. If I feel like someone's controlling every aspect of my life through a prep, there's the pendulum swings opposite direction at some point. So letting people make choices, I think.
1: I think that's another good um, education topic as well is like teaching athletes how to auto-regulate their own prep. Mm -hmm. um it's probably one of the hardest things because we know that our emotions will lie to us and the deeper you get into prep like the more you're going to say man i'm really struggling i think i need more food i think i need a refeed this weekend i think i need this i think i need this and of course your body is telling you you need more food like (laughs) that's the point of prep and being in a deficit right um so you know, maintaining that focus on, on that and, and being honest with ourselves about what your body actually needs—that's really hard, and it really comes like at the upper end of the intermediate athlete level and more towards the elite uh, athlete level, where the autoregulation really takes 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 a larger role. Um, but I think as coaches, it's our job to bring the client's attention to their own body and their own needs, honestly, right? Not emotionally. Um, and teach them how to, uh, auto-regulate mm-hmm. in their training and their diet. And it, it's going to start with, well, and end with communication with the coach, right? Like they're going to express certain things to the coach and it just, like, it, it just demands an increase in communication between the coach and the client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but when you have that increased communication, your progress is going to be much more, much more efficient.
0: Right. Yeah, and there are seasons for everything, like you said. like There are times where an athlete, your job is to report what's happening, mm-hmm. and it's my job to make the calls of what needs to happen next. Um, and, and
1: sometimes it can be very stressful to like bring yourself to tell your coach what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I think we know that. Um, but at the end of the day, especially in a growing season, there's so much flexibility and room for change and adaptation that – You should not be struggling through your growing season. If you're struggling with a body image issue, that's one thing. Like you were just staged lean. That's tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough to be softer. It is 100%. There's no doubt about it. And I don't believe that anyone is immune to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, we all like eating food. (laughs) but we all also like looking really good yeah yeah (laughs) so it it, yeah it becomes really difficult um but that's where the balance and auto regulation comes into play okay now i need to make sure that i'm doing things to enjoy my life and to uh reassert to myself that this is an enjoyable enjoyable part of prep Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
1: i don't necessarily look as good but we can go out to dinner on the weekend. We can have a little more flexibility. I can have that treat. I can have that chocolate bar tonight if I want. I can have a little bit of ice cream this weekend if I want. Like, There's a lot more flexibility. Um, but it all comes down to communicating with your coach and establishing that. that. And I guess at that point, it's not necessarily auto-regulation because you're still bringing it to your coach and your coach is still giving you the prescription. Um, but let's just say five years later, you're on your own because you can't afford coaching for whatever reason. Now you know what is expected and how to make these adjustments for yourself. And that's where it comes to the athlete's responsibility of of educating themselves and trying to learn and advance themselves as an athlete.
0: Yeah. And you touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast about some coaches find it almost threatening when people mm-hmm. ask questions or they want to understand why. Um and so it discourages people from yeah t- doing that type of investigation now there there's pros and cons to everything um sometimes you still need to be able to trust your coach so if you're asking a question there should be an answer if there's not an answer then it's in a you know uh an effort in finding out you know how we can get a solution to that question Um, but especially when you're deep in a deficit and, you know, your body is giving you, like you said, some different cues for like, yeah, my body is telling me I need to eat more and sleep better. And, you know, I'm sure
1: I I do really well with a cheeseburger before my show.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like that makes sense. Um, but that's why that is a specific different role that your coach has in like just letting you... Be uncomfortable enough to get the end result that you're looking for. Uh, so I don't want it to seem like, you know. And still express
1: that discomfort, right? Like right. Don't, don't just yes. suffer arbitrarily. The goal of prep is not to see who can suffer more.
0: Exactly. Because if I have somebody who's not, you know, I there's an athlete who's been really uncomfortable for like five, six weeks and they have not told their coach and they tell them in the seventh week.
1: Yeah, you don't know. You're like, "Okay, well, you're supposed to be. Now it's it's about time." Right. You know that's what the coach is going to think.
0: But if you're if it's that long of a duration, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe you do need like a refeed or you you need a deload week or you you need something. But yeah, so like I said, I think that there is that athlete responsibility of communicating and wanting to learn and I think it's a more fun like it's a fun process when you get to Link arms with that athlete and figure their body out with them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's your life like? What's what mentality struggles do you have? Like, what's your routine? What do you enjoy? What are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? How can we make this prep yours? It's your prep, it doesn't have to look like anyone else's. And so, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I find it really enjoyable. When
1: we're, we're learning their body together. Yeah. yeah. And
0: I like when people are like, what do you think about? Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through it. And then we weigh it out if it's something worth trying or not. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's what, another cool aspect about having a group of different types of athletes is you're going to have some athletes who send you exercise videos and say, what do you think of this? What do you think this is targeting? Do you think this would be beneficial? Uh-huh. and then you're going to have some athletes who send you food articles what do you think of this do you think yeah. this is BS? do you think this chemical is good or bad or do you think and then you're going to have people who send you mobility stuff and then you're gonna have people who send you postpartum stuff like yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's so cool to be able to learn an eclectic group of people mm-hmm. um also because it, it helps you learn uh teach and help more people right So, like, our job is not just educating athletes um, that are our clients, but and and that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we do YouTube, uh, is because we have decided to immerse ourselves in this um, industry, Um, whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting. um, We haven't gotten into a ton of other sports yet, but um, no telling what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. But since... How do I want to phrase this? Um, I believe that God gives people certain capabilities and strengths and weaknesses that can complement each other. And he chose for us to be in the fitness industry because and and allowed for us to more easily learn these things and be very interested in these things. So that, again, just like I talked about earlier, we can go down this fitness rabbit hole Hmm. and then provide the spark notes for you guys. So we're going to sift through all the crap we're going to try stuff on our own bodies and then we're going to bring you the final product and say, Hey, this is what worked for us. This is what I researched. This is what I found out. Then this is what I tried. And then this is what I'm bringing to you. And ideally we can iterate all of those stages. Um, We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants recently. So, (laughs) so we can't produce as much content as we want to, but um, we are working on, you know, getting, partnering with some more videographers and, um, we're moving in the re- in that direction because we do just believe it's so important to disseminate this information to yeah. people.
0: And as we grow, you guys can grow with us.
1: Exactly. And there's just so much misinformation in the fitness industry. That too. is like, very true. Oh, my gosh. Like, oatmeal is not killing you, okay? I, I watched BioLane just went off on someone, some Dr. Pete or something, like, is... Oh my gosh! Talking about some chemical oatmeal and this is what's bad. Oh, it that's it's not oatmeal. It's McDonald's people. Okay. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Yeah,
0: there is. There's yeah. so much. But I applaud like professionals in the industry that are correcting the misinformation. Mm-hmm. I'm still surprised at what questions I get from clients sometimes, and not in a a way of like, wow, I'm really surprised. You're like not intelligent. It's more like. There are beliefs that people are still living by in the fitness industry that I take for granted. And so, like, having an outlet where we can share those things and, and you know, have the privilege of working with individuals is, is a blessing. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I think we pretty much talk- talked on all of our points. Is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: Um, I don't think so. Um, okay. as usual, thank you to everyone who's listening. Every one of our subscribers, everyone who's left us a, uh, I was going to say a positive review, but I'm pretty sure they're all positive. Yeah. Um, so we really appreciate the support, guys. Um, keep the topics coming. If there's something that you would like to hear us talk about, we'd be happy to oblige. Uh, just, you can shoot me a message on Instagram. You shoot Chris a message. You can shoot reckless training a message. Um, However you want to get that over. um. So
0: give our Instagram handles.
1: So my Instagram handle is longshotgamble, all one word.
0: And I'm chrisnicole underscore ifbbpro.
1: And our Reckless Training Instagram is reckless underscore training. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a website, RecklessTraining.com, and there is a Reckless Media tab in there where you can see all of our YouTube videos, you can see our exercise library, and you can see Chris Nicole's uh, vlog. Oh, yeah. Um, new video coming soon.
0: <laughs> I'm a little behind, but <laughs> I'll catch up eventually. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So I also
1: have uh, an events tab on there that talks yeah. about the Miami International Fitness Expo. I will be putting, you know, their homepage link on there as well, so you can kind of go over to that page and, and see what that expo is all about, if you you know are interested in coming down. Um, and I believe on the Reckless Media page we have our donation tab up there too, so yeah. if you'd like to uh, help support the podcast, um, it would be very appreciated. We. We drive for Instacart and, and do WAG to, you know, try to help, you know. We walk dogs and, and food shop for and, people yeah,
0: so. <laughs> just to make extra money.
1: Yeah. Um, but but again, we love what we do. We yeah. love helping you guys. We love making this content. Um, and we just, we would just really like to continue to increase our content output for you guys. Yeah. We believe that we have a ton of experience from all the positive and negatives that have happened in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we just... Really want to continue sharing that with you guys.
0: And another way you can support us is just by liking, subscribing, mm-hmm. writing us a review really helps yes. uh, people find us on the platform. So any of that is greatly appreciated.
1: And any of our athletes out there, um, past, present, or maybe even future. Mm-hmm. No, no, future, you can't do this yet. But uh, we would love a Google review as well on the Reckless Training business page. Um, that would be helpful as well, just to kind of, you know, help with the algorithm.
0: Yeah. Okay, why well, don't you take us out?
1: This is just a reminder. Train hard, stay humble, and train reckless. I said that wrong. Work
0: hard. Oh, no, it's going to remember it.
2: How long
1: was it? an hour.
0: Great! They also so sorry about your eye. You really hung in there. I'm sorry, i trying to talk
1: faster. <laughs> it didn't feel like it. It felt like I kept distracting you. And you could slow it down. Oh. I was like, stop fucking moving, so she, she keep talking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a great job.
2: Do you want me to stop this?